Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. Uh, it's the last day of June. It's your host Ben Raskin. We're recording for live from the seventh floor of the Salt Lake Tribune offices. Today we've got a great show planned for you. We've got uh, Aaron Falk who's going to talk about uh, flying out to New York City and covering the draft and kind of give us, uh, kind of peel away the onion, which is going to be Exum and Rodney Hood. Uh, in addition to that, we got Chris Camrani coming in here and talking about the United States uh, men's football team as they're getting ready to taste the Belgians tomorrow morning, uh, or I guess tomorrow afternoon around 2 o'clock. The, uh, pretty good show on this. Uh, so what we need from you guys to kind of help us out is uh, get, get some traffic over on iTunes. Just do give us a big favor. We're not going to ask for any money or sponsorship stuff. Just uh, give us a nice five-star review and put a comment down on there. And uh, also, more importantly, just be a mensch and tell a friend. Tell them uh, that you're, you're listening to the show, you like listening to CK, you like listening to Falk, Kevin Wintermores, uh, a little bit of me. You got Tony Jones in here on occasion, even a Matt Piper and a Kyle Gunn. So you waited long enough. Let's get into the show. And here we go. Aaron, in the time that you've been the Utah Jazz Beat reporter. They've won 25 games. And during those 25 games, you've been. Uh, did you go on the road for all 41? Uh, no, I missed. We didn't travel for the last two or three. So you missed the last two. What was the uh, worst flight, and how does that compare to flying out to New York City for the draft this last week? The worst flight? Yeah. Uh, we had a, had a pretty bad one. From I think I had a connection from like Memphis to New Orleans, and it was. It was a short flight, but <laughs> touch and go. Oh, uh, there's you know the lightning going yeah. and and everything like that. Um, was there drink service on it? No. Okay, then that may, well, that right there puts it at the top of the leaderboard. <laughs> the worst flight. The, uh, the New York flight was, it was awful. Just because I, I booked an airline I don't usually fly. What was it, U.S. Airways? Yeah. When oh, it, no, man. And you please always, sponsor us, always, U.S. Airways. You always go Delta and then afterwards Southwest. Just, and, just and for I, brevity. The, the real problem was... That in uh, trying to save the Salt Lake Tribune some money, I took a connection in Phoenix, which is not the way you want to go <laughs> if you're trying to get to New York City. Just in terms, so it, it was an all-day affair there and back. That's that's why it sucked. I'm just, I'm I was very over being in airplanes and airports by the end of that one. Well, we were talking about this yesterday. So we hooked up at the Arts Festival. And as we're kind of doing this podcast, I think sometimes we get a little static and we don't talk about things people might want to hear. But, uh Watching the draft, I watched it by myself at Keys on Main before we had anybody in the club, and uh, it was it, it looked it was probably the most orchestrated thing I've ever seen on TV. Just how they how they it almost seemed like there's collusion between how they broadcast it and how they actually do the draft uh, they do the draft picks themselves. But when you're there, where were you physically in the Barclays watching the draft? On on the floor. Um, so Did they give you a workstation and stuff like yeah, that? they're just rows, you okay. know, and and there's Ethernet plug in, yeah. and, you know. Plug in for your laptop. They or gave whatever. you Ethernet. Yeah, no Wi-Fi. <laughs> well, there was Wi-Fi, but that many people. Right. But no. So like the green room is not so much a room. I mean, it's so you see the stage, right? You yeah. see where all those guys are walking. The green room is just behind a curtain. No, it's just right in front of the stage. Okay. So they're all. I mean, it, it would you know floor level, but like I guess oh, orchestra right. seating it's type different. of thing. You know, it's different right? from the NFL. Yeah. So they're not like sequestered right, somewhere. Right. They're all sitting right there with their families, and then immediately behind that rope. It are you know four or five rows for reporters, and I was three rows back from 
Zach Levine when How he said. How close were you to Woj, though? That's the real question. Unlike, he was on the far side, I was told. Yeah. yeah. Was the... Uh, was there, it makes it sound stupid. They make it seem like on TV there's a lot of energy. Is there energy in the arena? Yeah, I mean, tons of fans, a, a lot of Sixers fans, not a far, you know, trek for them, and yeah, they own, like, hour, yeah. 40% of the draft. Uh-huh. Um, they drafted players who will be playing in, like, 2026. Oh, <laughs> incredible for whoever uh, replaces Brett Brown and, and Sam Hinkie there. Did you get the uh, – just we'll jump to the number one, of course, both and B. Did you see his reaction when they announced it? With the I, I saw on – on the computer, but like he, they were, all, they're all, you know, see the back of their head. So yeah. I saw his reaction. I saw the, uh, the Levine reaction, um, <laughs> go, going to Minnesota. And, you know, you see him all stand up and, and do the hugs yeah, and everything, yeah, yeah. but you don't see like the kids are all looking at the, at the, the, the kids, the millionaires are all looking <laughs> at, at, you know, Adam Silver and, and, facing away from me so well let's start at the top with this um with uh when Cleveland made the first pick and uh Wiggins went on stage was there did that and we'll just pre- uh, predict that that was that was used to presume number one no surprises they figured he was going to go there yeah I mean there was I think you know two weeks ago Embiid was probably from everything everyone reported Embiid was supposed to go there and fractured foot fractured foot and then it comes down to you know once that happens Wiggins and Parker and you know Wiggins kind of came full circle Wiggins was going to be the number one right projected to be the number one guy you know long before anyone played basketball this year and you know it all it all worked out and really you know and then Parker was the obvious next choice and then for the Jazz to get their kind of dream scenario Embiid had to go three three Right there. I mean, well, Philly and, had to, to take Embiid. Right, but that was just starting. And then, you know, there was so much talk that Orlando liked Exum, so Orlando had to go, you know, kind of waver a little bit too, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, it, it, it was incredible luck for them to get – and this is – Exum was somebody the Jazz had very high, I think number three on on their draft board. Yeah, that's um, what Tony was talking about. Do we know behind week. who, Wiggins and Parker? Parker, Wiggins, Whoa. Exum, Gordon, and then – Smart. Smart was the fifth. Stauskas. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, to, to have that play out and, and then um, to get Rodney Hood where they got Rodney Hood, and I think Chad Ford said Hood was 15 on, on the jazz board, um, to get all of that, and they didn't use any picks. They didn't, they didn't give anything away to get kind of their, what would have been a dream scenario for them anyway. Had they, had they traded a bunch to move up to – three they still would have taken exum right or four yeah. and if they would have traded up in the first round again hood probably would have been their guy because they're probably not getting back into the top 15 so um yeah to do all that without giving away anything you know so walk us through what was what you were doing is uh when silver went up there and took the australian uh, did you just have a sense like did you just almost like have the tweet pre-written like exum yeah, well, oh yeah, after Gordon's name was called. But, I mean, the the thing is, you know, like Woj and, and some of these guys are so plugged in and, and so good across the entire league that by the time Exum was picked, I, I bet the seventh pick had been reported or, or the eighth oh, pick. Okay. So, you know, it's it's long, you know. The internet was scooping live TV, yeah. essentially. Like, okay. you, were, you were two or three picks behind – by just watching the TV if you weren't on Twitter. Wow. Yeah. So there are people that shut down 
Twitter because they want the spectacle and they want to be, yeah, you know, yeah. in, in the moment and everything. But in terms of that, so yeah, so that was, it was already out there long before. But even even if it hadn't been, I mean, and, and you knew Gordon was off the board, it right. just, there was no way they were going anyone but Exum right there. So you knew Rodney was going 23rd, right? Yeah. So I'm sorry, so he, the Giants had the 23rd pick. We picked fifth on there. That gives you a pretty good window to do some reporting. What did you do after Exum got called? Did you get a chance to meet with him immediately? Yeah, uh, just just about. So, I mean, not I guess not meet one-on-one. Um, you know, but like, right sort of like a bullpen meeting. Yeah, right away after, after those guys get picked, they do like a quick ESPN hit. They do a quick, I think, ESPN radio hit. Um, and then they go back to a, to a press conference room, do their press conference, then after that, they go back and do um, they, they've got like a live TV shot area where there's, you know, Chinese media, uh, obviously some Australian media, yeah. and, you know, just people from all around the world. And they do these live hits and they do those commercials like, hey, you're watching, you know, Fox 13 and this is Dante Exum <laughs> or whatever, you know, like um, that kind of stuff. And then, you know, I, I went back in that room and, and got a chance to talk with Dante for a few minutes. Um, by the time I was done with that, then Hood, uh, Hood, gets, know, Hood gets picked, and you kind of do the same, yeah. the same thing. So, so uh, just so Dennis Lindsay's got to be like the, the cat that ate the cat that ate the canary. He's got to be really happy with this draft. Uh, I think so. I think everybody, you know, in in that war room had to be stoked. And you saw at that press conference the next day. I mean, it, Lindsay did look. He had that grin. He was like, mm, you know, he's trying, he's trying not to show too much teeth, but. Uh, yeah. But he was he was happy. I mean, it was it was, I mean, it played out perfectly for them. And and you know maybe maybe Exum of all those guys, Exum has a really high ceiling. Maybe he has also a a floor that isn't right. he could be bust material. Right. Who no, knows? That's, that's what's something I'm really interested in is that you know people have ranked this kid so high and everyone's you know applauded the Jazz for the move. But the fact that you're drafting an 18-year-old kid who hasn't played against that many people consistently, that's a big, big risk. Yeah, yeah. And, like, you know, he may have off-the-chart measurables. He may be able to jump out of the gym. He might have elite pace on the, on the court. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I mean, let's see how he does when they play, you know, the Clippers, Warriors, and then tr- the Trailblazers three out of the five nights in a week when he's going up against Damian Lillard you know, Chris Paul and Steph Curry. No doubt. But the one thing that, that nobody can take away from him ever is that he's six foot six with a six nine and a half wingspan <laughs> and he's gonna play point guard. I mean, you know, they, they say Trey and Exum can play together and you and, and maybe so. I mean, who knows? But the other possibility is that Exum or, or whoever, I guess Trey could you know, outshine Exum or vice versa. You'd think, given all the the hype, right. you know, Trey was the ninth pick in a in a weak draft. Exum was the third pick in an incredibly deep draft. Fifth pick, fifth third pick, pick yeah. sorry, um, fifth pick. And uh, you'd think that Exum would eventually kind of take that role. Right. And he's substantially Trey's not quite six feet without without shoes on, yeah. and Exum is I think six five without shoes. Um, he's huge. He's fast. I mean, he's that, young. He'll probably grow more. Yeah, he'll I mean, get stronger. Yeah. He'll get stronger. And, and, I mean, he's I mean, still. There's a chance he might grow a couple inches too if you're 18. I mean, that that's a possibility. I had my growth spurt when I was like 19. I was so. 19 too. Yeah. I used to, I used to be very guapo. Then I got really gordo. Guapo, really guapo. With the um, all right, just so that with Trey, uh, Trey with his accent right now, one on one, who's going to take who to school? I mean, I I don't I I don't know. I mean, I think who's driving. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if Exum has his American driver's license yet or not, but uh, 
No, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I see if, if all the projections play out, Exum would, would overtake Trey eventually. And they, they provide sort of different things in, in some ways. But Exum, the one thing we saw, Trey had a trouble getting to the rim. I think he went almost an entire month last year without a, without a foul shot. Or he took one or two, right. and it, they were technical fouls. Um, you know, and Exum is somebody that's in this league right now, you have yeah. to be able to penetrate and kick. Yeah. Um, and get to the rim and get to the free throw line, and that's something that, at least theoretically, again, I you know nobody's seen him since really that U nineteen or the hoop summit and and um, and see some YouTube clips basically. But if he's that big and that fast, he's going to be able to do those things, and and also he's going to be able to probably be a better defender. I mean, at least he would have the tools on the ball to, defender, to, on the ball defender than, than Trey. So huge, huge upside. Sort of a, in a weird way. So if you followed the Jazz on Instagram, you'd see that. Did they leave that night to fly back to Salt Lake City? I think they left in the morning. I think they, they had like I a seven. They re- and they refilled like in North Dakota. Sioux Falls. Sioux Falls. Yeah. yeah, okay. But, I mean, for these guys, obviously, they've been playing at a high level. You know, they, they've had the spotlight on them for a period of time. They know that they, they've always been the man in almost every room they've gone into. It's like rushing them out to Salt Lake. Like, what's their schedule going to be for the next two weeks? Well, I think then they, they're allowed to go and, and – do whatever i think hood said he was going back to home to mississippi for a couple of days um i don't know that exum has been living in la i don't know that he's going back to australia um for you know a few days but summer league starts you know in a couple of weeks in vegas so they'll be they'll be in vegas playing on that summer league team in a couple of weeks the interesting thing to me is that you know you're gonna look at that summer league team and you're gonna have probably at least three or four guys who are gonna be part of that rotation Oh, yeah. Like, like yeah. you're going to have Trey and Dante Exum probably starting together. Rodney Hood might be the three. He might come off the bench. And then, you know, whomever. I don't know if Alec Burks will still be there. I don't probably think not. Burks favors or Cantor. But, like, still, but that's that's Rudy pretty, Gobert. Yeah. No, absolutely. So it's going to be interesting to see, like, how you're going to get a, an early look at how they kind of mesh together on the yeah. court. And, and another thing that I find interesting that Dennis Lindsay has been able to do is he's been able to draft guys who – maybe have that like cliche of leadership or at least some sort of dogged mentality. You know, Trey Burke was this, you know, this undersized, really gritty point guard. And then you have Dante Exum who carries himself extremely well for an 18 year old. And he seems like, it seemed like he was going after kind of alpha dog type players after, you know, with, with favors and Hayward and Cantor, they're, they're great players, but none of them are, you know, really grab it by the haunches it seems yeah. like Exum and, and Burke are two guys who might be able to do that and that's something I think the Jazz need where's Gordon going to fit into all this isn't he in free agency right now yeah, he'll be a rest- he's a restricted free agent it starts you know midnight or 1201 um Tuesday uh-huh. a.m a. so 10 1001 p.m here um Gordon will be uh, barring something insane um uh, I don't think there's anything the Jazz won't match for for Gordon Hayward at this point. And I mean, does, I mean, does that just come from the fact that they still have a tremendous amount of money? To, they have to a ton. Have. They have a ton of money. The cap is going to go up um, next so year. Gonna it's going to go up again. Yeah. You know, there. It's not like. And and I don't think, I don't think anybody's going to give Gordon the max. I mean, Phoenix. If Phoenix is going to give. Well, the the other thing about this is we'll see how fast everyone acts because now. Someone's going to set someone's going to set the bar, right? I well, mean, someone's going to set the bar, but but right now Melo's out there, LeBron, although it seems like they're all 
they would they all wouldn't opt out if they probably weren't going back to Miami, right? It wasn't a plan. Yeah. Um, but still, nevertheless, there are going to be teams that are going to be making these, um, you know, bids for these guys, and that's going to tie up what they can do. I mean, is a team that's, you know, if Phoenix, and they reportedly Phoenix was going to try to try to get Melo and, and LeBron to, you know, make offers to them. Um, and if they're going to do that, they're not going to tie up any of their money on Gordon Hayward and, right. until – those guys make make their right. decision. So yeah. it'll be interesting Big to see. First yeah, you know, I mean, and, and maybe Gordon and and his agent Mark Bartelstein will wait it out and and you know wait until then, or maybe Charlotte comes in. Charlotte with twenty million dollars, you know, has money to do something like that, and Boston has money to do um, to make a, a really nice offer for Hayward. But it's it's Utah. They know they struggle to get free agents here. Um, they know that Gordon's an important piece, and, and he's going to probably have a slightly different role than he had last year. Uh, so if they have to overpay slightly to keep him here, especially with the cap going up again, I mean, I, I don't see it hurting what they're doing long term. Well, here's my question. What do they need to do? What do they need to bring in terms of, like, a presence on the roster? I mean, obviously they need shooting. They need shooting. But, but And we'll I, see how much Rodney Hood helps with that. But Right. I mean, in terms of, you know, if you're looking at Burke, Exum, Burks, Hayward, Favors, Cantor, they're all really talented, but they're really young. I mean, does Dennis, is there something, is there someone that he needs to go out and try to pay, maybe overpay a little bit to come here and maybe be a stopgap and not like a Richard Jefferson stopgap? Someone, I don't know. Is there something, is there something that you have to look at and say, hey, we need help here? Maybe did hey Kevin we, Love. Yeah, Kevin <laughs> I think Kevin loves year. anybody's stopgap. Um, <laughs> no, I possibly, possibly. I mean, there are guys out there like maybe Channing Fry, but Channing Fry is not going to come at this point in his career and probably play for unless you really pay him a ton of money um, to play for a team that's not going to be in the playoffs. Like right. you know, guys that have made their money and they're going to want to try to play for a contender. Um, Chandler Parsons. Chandler Parsons. He'll, he'll go to a contender. Yeah, I think he'll be back in Houston or Miami. Yeah, well, we'll see. But, you know, I, I could see them, you know, trying to do that. The other the other thing I could see them doing is waiting to do that next year um, when these guys have had another year under their belt and sp- using their cap space this year to take on a bad contract. Yeah. Take on a, another like bad contract should. and, you know, play that out for a year. You know, you get some more picks, which they don't have to use. You know, they can, again, turn those picks around into something else down the road. But um, that, I, to me, that seems as likely as anything. You know, you look at this, at the free agents that are out there right now. I mean, Gortat, Spencer Haas, um, you know, there are guys, but... Nothing sexy. Nothing, nothing super sexy, and especially... This it's not a team that's like really ready to make the next move, right. you know. I it's, but didn't Dennis say that he wanted last year to be a one year type thing? Yeah, one, yeah. Well, no, I I don't know. In I mean, the I'm, in the middle of all that, all anybody says is we're going to do this the right way, right. and there's no timeline. And and I I think that you'll see. My gut would be that it will be a bad contract or or something like that, um, and another bad you know tough year next year, and then next year. In that class, then they make then they make a play for do somebody. We, do we know how much they need to make up to meet the minimum at this point? With, with I mean, I, that's probably a dumb, tough question to ask. I, I don't know off the top of my head okay. uh, at, at this moment. I mean, they've got, I think, 32 um, committed at the moment, and that might be before 
Dante and, right. and Hood. Hood. Um, but they'll that favors contract. The favors contract too. kicks in, and Gordon will get it. You know, a raise. I, I think I don't think they'll have a problem right. meeting it. How smart was bringing Quinn Snyder on as the head coach with such a young uh, young group of boys? Well, for everything that that's been said about Quinn and, and most of those guys on his staff, they're big player development guys, and that's exactly what this team needs right now. Um, I mean, we'll see how it how it translates into actual results, but. Uh, this is a team. Those got every one of those players has something that they they need to improve and you know to, to take a step forward. So, I, th- I think I think Quinn could be a very good fit for them. Awesome. Well, let's move on to some uh, World Cup. Uh, the United States is going to be in the the elimination round at sixteen. They're facing Belgium tomorrow at two p.m. local. Is it two p.m. local time? So uh, we've got Chris Camarani right over here. What's the USA they need to do? What do they need to do? And besides, put the ball in the goal. And also, how do they avoid what, the tragedy that was Mexico? Oof. Well, in starting, I think it was a foul. I think the problem is, is Robin embellished to a point where it's maybe taking away from the game a little bit. Yeah. He, Marquez stepped on his foot while he was going for the ball. So clearly, you can't make a move towards a ball and a goal-scoring opportunity when someone's stepping on your foot. Yeah. But the fact that he went, like, full, like, you know, 1080 snowboarder move. <laughs> could have done like a shifty grab before his, coming his to the ground. His shifted out in such a way that you would have thought he was hit in the back with a two by four. Twice. Twice. Yeah. You know, yeah. No. Play. Yeah. That was that was a brutal way to lose. But you know, looking at it, Mexico takes the lead in the 48th minute, and then just content to sit back, sit back against one of the best teams, most dynamic teams in the world. Yeah. I mean, you can't do that. And they I made mean, defensive subs early. It yeah. Was, it was weird. It, but, but, I mean, it's also like 105 degrees in the middle of the pitch. You know? Sure. Like there was, I think, there, obviously, physicality had took a toll on both those teams. And, no, absolutely. But clearly, ne- I mean, the Netherlands were more juiced to get back into it. And, yeah. you know, they, they scored in the 88th minute. And, you know, I think – in watching those highlights, the and in fairness, the goal that was scored—that was one of the best. I mean, that's oh, the first goal yeah. or, or Mexico's goal? No, Mexico's. Oh, the, the Netherlands. The goal. Netherlands. Yeah, goal. It was I don't know goal. the name of the guy, but Snyder. The t- that was unbelievable. Yeah. And I was actively rooting for Mexico in that. Yeah, no, that, I mean that's a brutal way to lose. You know, Miguel Herrera said he blamed the referee. He said he's the reason why we're out of this tournament. It's a tough call. It's a fifty-fifty call. Yeah, and really, you could call it one way or the other. It's a it's a it's a gutsy call. It's a I mean, foul. It's a foul yeah. in the ninety second minute in an elimination game. And here's the thing: like, was he that close to putting a ball on a foot on the ball? To yeah, towards the goal? not really. No, no the no. ball was you know drifting away from him. There were three guys there. It's on the end line, so there's not. I mean, it's an impossible angle, even if there aren't guys surrounding him. But it's still a foul. So that I think that's that that's something that people might be frustrated about in soccer. If you're not a, if you're just a casual fan, it's like hey. This ruined the game. <laughs> it's like, well, it did. I'm impressed with you with Ochoa throughout the entire World Cup. He's am- he's he was amazing. I mean, he, he and the crazy thing about Ochoa is that he was that you know d- dubbed that goalkeeper of the next generation a while ago, but he was overtaken a few years ago by another keeper because he was struggling. Mm-hmm. So he really got into form and really really played well in these last few qualifiers for Mexico, and then just. I mean, you put on a performance like that, and I believe he's out of contract with his club. So I think he's going to have a big, big payday. With the uh, for Ochoa, I mean, to from the I'm a casual observer. I don't understand the game as well as I'd like to, but you would think that he'd be almost more disappointed in his team for not running the right defensive lines, not making the stops. Probably they put almost way too much of Mexico's 
future on his you know shoulders yeah no I, I think that's the difficult part of the goalkeeping position and I like Aaron was saying you know you make weird subs you change shape you change formation you put guys where maybe they're not comfortable playing and suddenly and and you have to also take into account that a team a really talented team is is trailing in a world cup and needs a goal things are going to change i think people so oftentimes maybe look at soccer and say well why didn't you just shut them down that's not really how it goes you know if you're if you're leading by a goal your natural inclination is to play more defense because you want to protect that goal because yeah, if you leave it more wide open chances are the other team's going to have better opportunities to tie. well the netherlands they seem to have it on the attacking side of the ball almost uh, from the most of the second half into yeah. the intro. i mean they drove they pressured yeah. they and i mean mexico had a couple of runs but for the most part they were playing on their heels yeah no i mean the nether i mean that's what happens when one of the best teams in the world is trailing late in a world cup game they're going to throw probably 10 guys in the attack and put their fastest guy back because when Mexico wanted to counter, you're going to have your fastest guy back there to kind of yeah. clean it up. So, I mean, it's a brutal way to lose, but I think this World Cup has proven that it's brutal. I mean, look at the look at Brazil-Chile. I mean, that was just – that was heartbreaking for Chile. Garbage. To, to outplay Brazil <laughs> yeah. pretty much the entire game, mm. to get unlucky with an own goal early, to tie it up, and then to – I mean, 119th minute, the, the guy hits the post. I mean – that Brazil would have been out of the World Cup if that shot dips down and goes in. I mean, that was that's just an amazing luck, lucky thing for Brazil to happen. And then to go to PKs, you have an MLS goalkeeper and Julio Cesar. I mean, stop two. And the thing about PKs is when you've stopped two, you're definitely in the mind of, of, of takers mm -hmm. yeah. because you know that, hey, this guy's on his game. I'm going to have to put it where he can't get it. And then sometimes you put it in a place where – you know, it drifts too far. I mean, and it was and a wide one, wasn't it? It hit, it hit it, the post yeah. and then almost went yeah, back yeah. in. And you know, in the in the post game, you know, Rude Van Nistelrooy for ESPN was saying, you know, he's taken thousands of penalty kicks. He said that's inches when it hits there and almost bounces in. He's like, you hit it maybe four inches in more inside, it pings in. So I mean, that's just the way it goes. It's it's been a brutal World Cup, but it's been awesome. Yeah, what's the scouting report on Belgium? Really good, really young, really talented. I think they, they have like a once-in-a-generation type group for that country. It's a really small country, but they have so many young players who play at some of the top clubs in the world. And it's it's insane to have, you know, I think they have a couple of quote-unquote veterans, but I don't think they have anyone maybe older than 28, 29 in that starting lineup. Pretty much you have guys who are, you know, 19 to 25 who are starring at Chelsea and, you know, La Liga and um, in France – so in in um, in Germany as well. So these are guys who are really talented. And Belgium came to the U.S. last May and smoked the U.S. The, they went up. I think they went up four one, and they were just kind of running circles around them. I think Dempsey got like a consolation PK in extra time. So they're really really yeah. good. But they've also played in a weak group and didn't do that well. Mm -hmm. They barely beat Algeria. They had to come back from a one zero deficit. They barely beat um, Russia. They beat Russia 1-0. They scored in, like, the 88th minute. And then they they uh, they kind of underwhelmed against South Korea. Well, I guess they won despite being down a man. But still, you know, they're, they're a really good, good, talented team, but they're young, and they're not really proven on this stage. And granted, the Americans aren't either. I mean, I think the Americans have four or five guys in their starting lineup who have started a World Cup before. But I think if you look at the group that the Americans came out of as opposed to Belgium and how they perform respectively, I think I think it's a draw. I think, I think Belgium's. I think Belgium has to be favored just for the talent that they have. But I think it's it's nowhere near you know looking at the U.S. against Germany. I think this is a this very is a game, very this is a game they could team. win. Absolutely. Is Josie back? 
they just announced today that he's available, meaning that I doubt he starts maybe 20, 15 minutes. I watched his injury live, and so what, did, what exactly happened? Did he tear his hamstring, strained his strained, hamstring? Strained, strained hamstring. I mean, I mean it, it happens. I mean, we've seen that with RSL's Jao Plata. You know, you're sprinting for a ball one-on-one. You're giving it all, and sometimes you take maybe an awkward step with the heel first, and it comes down, and, it, you know, the hamstring behind your leg just kind of catches. pops a little bit. Yeah. yeah, and, you know, I think that's immediately what you see when a guy reaches back and pulls up lame. So, and it's tough, I, you know – my whole thing is why, if you're Klinsman, why even say that he's available? Granted, I think either way, Belgium would have game planned for him. But if he's, if you don't say anything, and if you say uh, doubtful, and then suddenly it's the 70th minute and you're down a goal, and Josie goes to the end line to uh, or to the center official and says, "Hey, I want to come in," then uh-huh. you're like, "Okay, Belgium doesn't really." I mean, maybe they aren't, they aren't prepared for that situation. Uh, Beckerman's performance up to this date with the three games, uh, what can you say about that? Really solid. I mean, he's he's really, really been able to do what he what he does. He makes other players around him better. And I think the interesting thing about Kyle is that he's partnering with Jermaine Jones. And he those two were guys who were considered, you know, head-to-head for a starting spot mm-hmm. for so long, and now they're starring together, and they're arguably two of the best players that the U.S. has right now because they're kind of sitting as that double-holding midfield position. Mm-hmm. I think Jones has more freedom to go into the attack as as we saw as he had that phenomenal goal against Portugal and but Michael Bradley's been a ghost and 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 the thing about Bradley is you know a lot of people are on his case he's run he ran more than any Mm -hmm. other player 23.6 miles in three games so clearly he's in the attack trying to get things going without Josie and Clint Dempsey's great but he's not a guy who's going to make these darting quick runs and out outrun defenders so basically Bradley has been trying to get things going with Bradley Dempsey, sometimes Jermaine Jones, and then maybe Fabian Johnson making a run. So that's that doesn't really work. Yeah. Is there anyone you see that that Klinsman could have put on that roster that would have alleviated this? Landon I mean, Donovan. Landon. You think Landon? I mean, um, I don't know. Here's the thing. I think a lot of people were giving uh, Jurgen some flack for not having a legit backup to Josie, but I don't think there is. That's one. what. That's what I'm wondering. I mean, like Wondolowski's a a great goal scorer, but I don't know how well he fits next to Dempsey. Johansson's a great young talent, but he doesn't really fit next to Dempsey either. He he's more of a young guy who maybe needs to be targeted a little bit more. He's great on the ball, but I mean Terrence Boyd, he's all right, but I mean he, it came down to Wondolowski and Boyd, and I and I just don't know how many other people there are out there to say, hey, this guy is a, a definite replacement for Josie. I think you could have said the same thing about Dempsey too. I mean, if, if Dempsey pulls up lame and you have Josie, Josie's maybe a little more of a natural target forward to play through maybe hold up the ball, but I think when you look at the pure forwards, Landon's not going to be a guy who would have been up top. I mean, he would have been a guy who probably would have sat on a shoulder behind a shoulder of Altador as, as a wing attacker type player. But they don't, I mean, the Americans don't have that much forward depth. They never really have. What about World Cup veteran Robbie Finley? <laughs> Robbie, Robbie's just coming back from knee surgery. So <laughs> Robbie's just coming back from, Robbie's just coming back from knee surgery. So, no, it's um, – yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, this is a very winnable game for the U.S., I think. Taking a step back and re- uh, reviewing the USA versus Germany, is there any uh, parallels between the Germans and the Belgians that the U.S. can kind of take away from? Well, Beck, we, I was on a conference call with Kyle this morning, and he said that Portugal, Germany, and Belgium are three very similar teams in, in their formations and their attack. Granted, Germany's the best of the three by – I would say by far right now, and Portugal's gone, and Belgium's good. But the thing about Belgium that I think some of the other teams that the Americans have faced, what they, what the Belgians have, is that they have a target forward. You know, Ronaldo's a great, 
a great player, but he's not a target guy that they can, mm-hmm. you know, send balls through. Um, Asamoah Gian from, from Ghana is like, is like that, but he wasn't really playing that role. You have Romelu Lukaku, who plays for Everton with Tim Howard. Mm. Really, really good player. And he hasn't you, been so – but he hasn't – Right, no, he hasn't, he hasn't done much. I'm just saying that you have to take into account. But then you have, you have talent out wide. You have uh, Aiden Hazard, who plays for Chelsea, um, a winger who mm. can really get after it. And then you have two guys in the middle. You have Fellaini, um, Marowine Fellaini, who plays for Manchester United, and then um, Axel Witzel the guy with the awesome fro um, in there as well. And then they have great attacking fullbacks as well. So I think what the U.S. has to do is maybe they have to sit back a little bit in the beginning, uh, depending on what what formation they have and who they have out there in terms of attacking. But the thing about Germany, they kind of had to sit back because the Germans were taking it to them. And the thing about that game is the conditions were awful. And I mean, granted, you know, quote the quote, both teams played in it, so not one team had the advantage. But um, Belgium's good enough to come out and score an early goal and put the Americans on their heels. And I think that's kind of the last thing you want to do, considering how they pl- how they had to play against Germany. So just to sort of like backtrack, so they come out, they could come out and score a really quick goal. So I mean, if you were coaching them up uh, oh, okay. as going out there, I mean, I'm, I'm the best coach in the room. Yeah. <laughs> as the best coach in the room. When you send those guys out there, are you telling them to work on a defensive mode? Like under no circumstance are they going to be scoring in the first 15 minutes of this game? I would say so. And then just and then we'll start our attack in the 17th minute, and then we'll start slowly taking land and real estate, trying to move it up to their uh, to their poles. The only caveat is Vincent Company, one of the best defenders in the world, might be out. He plays for Manchester United. He's been dealing with a with a leg injury, and he might be out. So if you have a second string center back in there. I mean, maybe you take it to them. Try to exploit that. Maybe. Really quickly. Right, maybe. I mean, Belgium's defense is good, but it's not as good as their midfield or, or attacking players. So I think that's that's one uh, that's one place the Americans could, could look at. But I think, really, I think if you go down 15 minutes in, considering you have no Josie, I think that would be a, a kind of a nightmare situation for the U.S. Portugal is different. Portugal doesn't have a good defense. Ronaldo was on was on one leg. He was going at sixty, yeah, sixty seventy percent tops, yeah. yeah. So I, and 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 they took it to him because you know Portugal didn't even look like they wanted to be there. I think the thing about Belgium is they're motivated, they're young, they're the they're the dark horse that everyone said that could make some noise. I think for me, my team outside of obviously the U.S. is Colombia right now. Mm. Great dancing, yeah. phenomenal, <laughs> phenomenal celebrations. Their their best player is is named Hams. <laughs> so, Hamas, but Ham sounds better, I think. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting game. You know, Klinsman was brought in to get the Americans far in a World Cup. He got him out of the group of death with Josie Outdoor playing 20 minutes with with rotating center backs who, I mean, let's be honest, aren't the best of center backs. So it's it's an accomplishment. But now, like Klinsman has said, now it's now it's time to get to work. Now let's see how his his tactics, his shape, his attack does in a knockout game. As a soccer fan, as well as a soccer reporter for the Salt Lake Tribune, what's been, some, what's been probably the game that you've enjoyed watching the most, just strictly mm-hmm. as a fan? The one that kind of grabbed you by the, you know, the, the short curlies. <laughs> um, Brazil-Chile was, was awesome just because, you know, that magnitude of Brazil going out in the knockout stage and how, like, just brutal that would have been. And, and simultaneously, brutal loss for Chile. I mean... That was a, that's a that's a team you shouldn't be drawing in the quarterfinals yeah. if if you're a host country having or in, in the knockout stage if you're the host country having won a group I mean that's a tough draw Chile is a great team and clearly they were they were good enough to beat Brazil I think I I can't think of a, a, a specific game outside of that one for me it, the team that I've enjoyed watching most is Colombia 
just because they kind of play with no fear. Have they you just, seen the they just two go Escobars after. lately? Uh, the he he just. Saw I, it I watched week. it. Yeah, like I, I saw. I, I saw it, it when a week it, ago too. I saw it when it debuted. It was awesome. Yeah. How about that that scorpion kick save? That guy, that, that from, guy from with the goalkeeper. The guy, that, the guy with the soul glow. Yeah. yeah. What was his name? Oh, he did. No, it was his thing. It was like his he trademark. Did he did it. He, he kicks, did it. Yeah. He did it multiple it looked like times. Rick, he looked like Rick James. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, how, what, what do you have to do to be like, okay, okay. <laughs> Lift those legs behind your head. That's you make like, a basket catch in baseball. You're running laps at the end of you know the end of that. And this guy's doing scorpion kicks where the average score could be maybe 2-1. And that hair, like, that hair could have came across his eyes, <laughs> like, blinded him temporarily. It could have gone off his heel and into the goal. What is, what is it about soccer that, you know, you don't see road flares being thrown on a, you know, a, a, a Baltimore Ravens game. You know, you see toilet paper. Don't tell that to Kyle Goon. <laughs> but, you, but, I mean, it's – and I know it's, it's barring the fat passion, we all have our passion for our sports. You could be a hockey fan, you could be a baseball fan, basketball and stuff like that. But it's like – it's almost barbaric to a certain extent. And it's not just limited – you know, yeah. it's not – Well, not it's barbaric point. because in some stadiums around the world, they literally have to build like 30 feet high chain link fences to avoid people running on the field. So clearly these people take it pretty seriously. I don't know. Flares, man, light, smoke, <laughs> just get it, get it interesting. I, I have no idea. I've never really been one of those guys who want to put themselves in danger to watch a anything. Yeah, it only takes a, one lawsuit to really, uh, you know, affect. I think how how fans can interact uh, in, in venues in America. So, and it says what people think about soccer. I mean, clearly, it's like it. It's it. Yeah. It's it. I mean, there's nothing. It's that we've beaten it to death here in America that soccer hasn't officially caught on. But everywhere else, man, there there was a video that I watched of announcer in Costa Rica yesterday calling that last penalty kick, and this guy's like sixty and he starts bawling. I mean, like this is what this is all a lot of people have, and well, I think that here we have football, baseball, basketball, hockey, Hollywood, Hollywood, Netflix. badminton, yeah. Netflix. <laughs> no, I mean, there's so many distractions in this country. Tumblr. I mean, Tumblr. it's everything. Over Tumblr. there, it's like, over there, seriously, think about an entire country. It's small. Costa Rica is like the size of Delaware yeah, or something. Rhode yeah, exactly. But that guy's one kick, the entire country – Literally, if there was a capability to watch that, an entire country was watching this dude. How would you feel? I would throw up. I would just throw <laughs> up on the ball and then probably fall down. I watched the Columbia game at, you know, the Rancho Market is over on 9th and 3300 South. Uh, it's just in that general area, but, you know, they have, a, they have a great kitchen in the back there. Sat there, I'm eating tacos. I'm watching on the one flat screen TV. It's a what kind of tacos? Lengua? Oh, uh, al pastor. Oh, okay. With uh, well, no, well, no, no onion, extra fruta. If you're going al pastor, man, why aren't you at Chungus? Because this is the second best one in town. Okay. And I can ride okay. my bike there. Okay. Anyway, yeah, I don't have to go downtown. But I'm sitting. I'm sitting there by myself. There had to have been easily 65 people watching the game, chanting throughout the entire. Uh, you know, it's a predominantly Hispanic community watching this and watch, listening to it on Univision and the calls these guys make. It, I mean, it just dwarfs anything Joe Buck could ever do. I mean, there's a passion to it that is just ridiculous, just in the announcer's booth, where he's clearly tilted towards one of the teams. I only wish my Spanish was better to understand which team You he know what like. he's saying. Yeah. You, 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 yeah, yeah. You, Why, the vibe's there, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's it's cool. It's it's insane. I I was watching I was watching that uh, that Costa Rica-Greece game with my girlfriend, and she said, like, 
it's sick that they make people do this. <laughs> she was like, these people are going to be scarred for life. And it's true. <laughs> Think about that Chilean dude. I mean, that Chilean guy has to make this PK to keep his team in a World Cup against Brazil. He hits the post, and it's over. And soccer's not – there is no quick memory in soccer. No. This guy has to wait four years to maybe play again, to maybe redeem himself. Maybe he doesn't ever get to play again. So his lasting impression on this sport, unfortunately, is going to be well, billions of people watching him take a phenomenal PK that went a little too far. And right. you're right about the long-term memory. Like Mario Rivera or Trevor Hoffman blow a save. You know what? They've got – guess what? I've got another 161 games that I can make this up on. Oh, yeah. You're looking at a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity just to make the team, much less even start on the team, and much less even be put in the position to even make that PK. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, and look at the NFL. Like Colin Kaepernick threw an interception in the NFC Championship game that cost the Niners the game. He has four or five months off. He gets back to it. He makes 90 mil. <laughs> he takes his shirt off. He flexes. This dude, this this poor guy, he's probably making some great money playing in a, in a decent league, but that's never, ever going to reach that magnitude. Well, never, be, ever, and ever. And he becomes that guy in he his town. He becomes that guy. Yeah. Well, look at, pa look at Andres Escobar, man. Well, he got drilled down at the airport. Yeah. And, and he was the captain of the team. Days, days after the own goal. Just saying, man. It's, it's, it's spooky out there. Please, everyone. Do it was not... a particularly dark time in Colombia. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they cannot. That's 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 another reason why you have to kind of root for Colombia for the for the sake of you know it's been twenty years. They've never they've never made it this far. For so long, they were on the outs internationally. They well, didn't have that many good and players. And that's what made the Mexico game so passionate for me is because, you know, they're our neighbors. I love the culture. I love the people. I have lots of friends that had direct connections with it. And then you think about it, it's like the Netherlands, it's almost like there's a sense of entitlement with this. Oh, that's how it is with all your European uh, country that, you know, everyone's driving. I don't, know if, it's, I don't know if it's podunk. Well, I mean, they definitely all look like they could run a Nordstrom. Yeah. Or, you know, <laughs> like you could walk in there and they'd be like, they would know your size for your like five thousand dollars suit, and you would just have to agree. You just pick. All right, Robin, yeah. I understand. You're right. Let me go in. I'll put on the suit, and I'll come back out, and I'll you know put it on Sharks the card. Sharks and ties and looking good. No, there is there is there is definitely about European soccer. It's you know it's almost off putting to a certain extent because sure. there's an egalitarian to it. When we look at the Mexicans play, it was just like you're rooting for these guys because it was almost like how good would it be for this country? You know, like. And I'm not saying, like, they need it, but it's more like, God, they just feel like they deserve it more, like they'll appreciate it more. No, that's and that's, that's definitely the, true. That's at the end of the day, this has value, where the Netherlands will just go back to their villas and their, you know. They're going to go back to their boats. <laughs> they're going to go back to. shoes. Yeah, you know, they're, they're just, they're, they're just going to put on a really nice tie. Um, <laughs> the thing about Mexico they is. They make that, nice tulips. I think, I I think people. That. I think Americans wanted to root for Mexico and Costa Rica because they come from the same region, CONCACAF. And it's like, for some reason, I don't really know if I have the same sentiment, but you know, for a team I'm rooting for, I don't necessarily root for a team that's in my division when they have a chance to well, win. Well, like, well, like, with the, like, with, like if the, the Giants, 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 yeah, the yeah, you're a Padres so fan, I'm a Giants. advanced to the postseason this year. I would, probably, I would probably more inclined to root for the Padres than I would be like the St. Louis Cardinals. For me, it always breaks down to NL versus AL. It's like I will never ever root for an AL team, you know, and even... So we're, we're saying the Netherlands are definitely an AL. They're an AL team. Okay, for sure. Yeah, I have no doubt. I think, yeah, I think Mexico is an, an NL team. You know, a little small ball. Well, the pitcher has it. to go up there and swing the lumber three times in a game, too. That's true. That's Put a bunt down, maybe get maybe get a fastball off the knuckles. What, it, what is the equivalent? Chicharito putting on the gloves? 
Chicharito putting down a sack bunt. <laughs> so where are you watching the game tomorrow? Because we're going to have this podcast up tonight. and uh, uh, I don't know. They're having two huge watch parties. They're having the Galvin Center Plaza and Real Salt Lake of Partner to put together a big watch party at the Galvin downtown. And then ESA is also holding its second uh, watch party in a row. I don't like being in big crowds. I like being – probably watch it on my couch. Mm. Maybe have some coffee. Coffee? Maybe some snacks. <laughs> I don't know. Some Warm up some frozen Trader Joe's food. Uh, with the uh, so, will you be live tweeting anything at at CK Tribune at Chris Comrani at Chris Comrani? Yeah. What's the CK Tribune? That's like? the that's the one I use for preps, just because people don't want to be bombarded with you know two way two way softball results. Probably, I mean, well, you'd be surprised. No, I'm with you, but we're encouraged to tweet as much as we can. You know, putting down a sack bunt in the sixth. <laughs> You know, tying tying run comes to the plate. I don't know. Go Enterprise. So, uh, and we'll, where were you watching it there tomorrow? Uh, near my phone's fr- free agency um, starts. starts, so <laughs> I'll be someplace quiet at home probably. I think I'm going to the Gallivan Center to check it out. Really? You know, uh, yeah, it'll be cool. I just, I, it's a kind of, I don't know, have that collective experience, maybe part of the zeitgeist here, and just to see, you know, how they put it together. You know, You're going to deal with a lot of people who will tell you that they're smarter than you. And I usually agree with every one of them. Yeah. Because they usually are. I, the thing I've learned about covering soccer is that you're pretty much the stupidest person when it comes <laughs> to soccer. So. I, know, I know two things about soccer. One is I'm usually the dumbest guy in the room talking about it. And two, if they're playing soccer in Park City, there's a golden retriever on the field. Always. Those are the <laughs> only two certainties I know about soccer. I worked in Park City for two years. I saw multiple times when the dog not only was on the field, but urinated on a goalpost, kept playing. <laughs> no I made a save, yeah. ran off. I, the only time I've ever seen a timeout called by a ref is when a girl got subbed in for Park City. She was a freshman playing her first varsity game sort of late in the season as they're making the run towards right. her. And as she gets out there, her golden retriever runs up there, and then she's allowed to run around with her for upwards of 45 seconds to a minute before they actually call the timeout for the dad got the ball. There was no – Water break. Water break for the golden retriever. <laughs> Who would have taken the PK, though, the freshman or the golden retriever? Golden – yeah, it's According to all of the movies I've seen, all of the <laughs> Air Bud franchise. I got to go with the freshman mostly because you're going to be looking at the next three years of that little girl. That's career. very true. That's, that's very true. That's the, the only the, reason why. The retriever could be on the downside, you know. Is that be. retriever stunting? Talking to senior, finally getting to varsity. It's yeah. a coin toss, yeah. but as a freshman, maybe she could yeah. be the future of the yeah, minors. I'm with you. All right, well, thanks for listening to this week of the podcast. We don't have uh, Kevin Winter Morris. He is out and about. On assignment. On assignment, and Kyle Goon on assignment, Tony Jones on assignment, Matt Baird out on assignment. Matt, so. Matt Piper on assignment. Matt Piper out on assignment. Bill Orem. On assignment. Forever on assignment. Permanent assignment. Anyway, for Aaron Falk, Chris Combrani, I'm Ben Raskin. Thanks for listening.